most people, even in very poor countries like Malawi and Mozambique, buy their food through markets. So business is already involved, so you can't ignore them. If you ignore them, you're, you're, not, you're never going to change the way they behave. That's Lawrence Haddad, and you're listening to Ending Hunger and Malnutrition. Can it really be done? I'm Sivan Yosef, Senior Program Manager at the International Food Policy Research Institute, IFPRI. On this podcast, we talk to the world's top scientists, policymakers, and practitioners about ending hunger and malnutrition in under a decade. We teamed up with a group of passionate, engaged public health grad students at the University of Michigan. Each episode, one of the students will conduct an interview for us. For good or bad, private companies play a big role in determining our health. More and more, they're partnering up with the public sector to provide nutrition products and services in poor countries. So is this a silver bullet against global malnutrition or a terrible idea? The answer depends on who you talk to. Nusheen Hayat chats with Lawrence Haddad, executive director of the Global Alliance for Improved Nutrition, GAIN, about how to make sure that companies are doing the most good for nutrition. GAIN works in a number of different areas to improve nutrition worldwide. One of the things we do is large-scale food fortification. This is the idea that we fortify foods such as wheat flour, um, edible oil, milk, that uh, are consumed by large numbers of people, but for whom um, the, the nutrition content, the micronutrient content of those foods, is not as, as rich as it could be. So fortifying, for example, edible oil with vitamin A and D. Most people in India, for example, consume edible oil. And most of that oil is potentially fortifiable, but not much of it is actually fortified. So we work with governments around legislation. We work with businesses and technical experts to make that happen. Uh, other things we do is around infant and young child feeding to improve the uh, availability of micronutrient powders, which, as, which families can sprinkle on food that they give to their children. We also focus on changing behaviors around child feeding so that children are fed more nutritious food more frequently and more often. Could you share an example of a public-private partnership that GAIN is involved in? So the company that we met in Mozambique was producing peanut butter. And peanut butter in Mozambique is tends to be a sort of a middle-class, upper-income-class product. And yet, peanut butter is essentially the food that's used in, in treating kids that have very severe and acute malnutrition. So the company uh, that we I visited, they had, they had used a very small grant, I think it was five or $10,000 from us, to purchase equipment to in, expand their sales, reach, reach parts of the country that they couldn't reach before, and um, supply the market at a lower price with thousands and thousands more servings of this peanut butter, they would produce them in very small sachets, kind of like the sachets you get for tomato ketchup in a restaurant. And that's affordable and usable, and you can, you know, it's very important to give it to very young children because very young children are growing very fast, they have very high nutrient requirements, and they only take in certain types of uh, pasty, kind of liquidy foods. So it's a very important product. Um, the, the reason we work with the businesses and not just work with the governments is because we want the provision of the peanut butter to, to be sustainable. So to get businesses really excited about helping nutrition 
um, you have to create the demand. So you have to create the demand for the product, then the businesses will come. What do businesses bring to the table that nonprofits and governments cannot? I think in, in the course of my job at, at GAIN as the executive director, I meet lots of different people with lots of different perspectives about business. So, you know, r- rather crudely, I can say I meet three groups of people. The first group think that everything business does is just brilliant. Um, they, they have more money, they have better ideas, they have better systems, everything is better. Then there's another group in the nutrition world who think actually the private sector should just be kept out of nutrition. They should have no business. They're the, they're the devil. Keep them away from, from nutrition. Their commercial imperatives mean that very rarely do they ever do anything good for nutrition. But I think, uh, and those two groups shout pretty loudly, but I think the, the majority is the silent majority in the middle who think actually governments and donors are not going to be able to do all of this. This is such a big problem. You know, one in three people have a terrible diet throughout the world. It's such a big problem. Businesses are already involved in nutrition. Most people buy their food from markets, and that means buying it from businesses, whether they're retailers or manufacturers or packages. Most people, even in very poor countries like Malawi and Mozambique, buy their food through markets. So business is already involved, so you can't ignore them. If you ignore them, you're, you're, not get, you're never going to change the way they behave. So what they, what they bring to the, the table is a, a sense of sustainability. Uh, if we can grow a market for healthy food, businesses will sustainably provide it. They bring a sense of scale. Um, if we can get something um, scaled in markets, it's much better than getting it scaled in health centers. And they also bring a sense of um, what I would call kind of left field thinking to the, the problem. They, they're not steeped in nutrition thinking. Um, you need a, nutrition is a very complicated technical topic, and so you need lots of uh, expertise in the science of nutrition and in the implementation of programs. But sometimes that means that you, that comes at the expense of thinking uh, in a sort of a lateral way, thinking about left field uh, solutions. And so they bring new ideas and, and new thinking into the, into the mix. So they bring a lot, but um, all of that, like anything else, like any new technology or new partner, that can be used for, to promote nutrition or it can be used to undermine nutrition. And so again, we're very careful to work with companies that are responsible companies and then to work with those companies in a responsible way. What are some benefits that businesses see in joining a public-private partnership? The ones that are doing good things, we try to support them with technical assistance, helping them make links with other stakeholders that are really critical to what they're doing. and we, ha- we sometimes even give them, if they're very small businesses, give them a bit of startup capital to overcome barriers to entry to new markets. If they're businesses that are doing bad things, we will call them out on it. We will, for example, we were the organization that uh, gave birth to the access to nutrition, uh, access to nutrition index, which is a ranking of large food companies about how nutrition aligned their their conduct, behavior, and performance is. So for, for companies that are, are not doing good things, we will measure the, what they do and we will call them out 
and hold them accountable. And then the companies in the middle, we have a quite a lengthy due diligence process that, that basically says, uh, it scans for bad things. So we do a, a whole series of scandal checks. Um, are they compliant with the breast milk substitute code? Uh, where do they rank in the ATNI um, uh, indices? Uh, we will do some internet searches on controversies surrounding their brands or their, their, their um, shareholders. And then we will actually review some of their business plans to see if they're serious. Um, and then we will meet with them in person. And uh, once, once they've satisfied all those uh, criteria, we'll meet with them in person and uh, look them in the eye and talk to them and f- try to figure out how sincere they are about what they do. We'll also canvass other people who have worked with them in the past, just as with any other partner in the public sector, we don't want to work with a, an organization that's going to hold us back. How does GAIN work to build trust with the communities that they're serving and also the businesses that they're partnering with? What we found is that there is a, um, there is a distrust of any big organization, whether it's a big donor or a big business or a big government. Um, so what we have to, what we have done strategically is decided to work with small and medium-sized businesses because these businesses are known to the communities. They're seen all the time. The brands are familiar. There, There is a trust. Ironically, actually, um, many of the small and medium-sized businesses who, who work in the regions where the communities um, find themselves, they are they these companies actually have a really hard job in meeting food safety and nutrition quality standards because they're small. So they don't actually have the capacity to meet the standards. Whereas the very large multinational companies usually do meet the food safety standards uh, quite well. But So that's, that's kind of a, a dynamic we, we have to work with. And to wrap up our conversation today, could you tell us what you're most hopeful about in the future of addressing malnutrition? I think in 2016... It crossed over from being a health issue to being an economic growth and development issue. We had the head of the World Bank, the head of the African Development Bank, say that investing in nutrition is just as important as investing in roads, bridges and ports. Um, Brain infrastructure is just as important as physical infrastructure for a country's development. And I think when... When these organizations say that about nutrition, you know you've got some traction. Lawrence Haddad is the executive director of the Global Alliance for Improved Nutrition, GAIN. To learn more about GAIN, visit gainhealth.org. Noshin Hayat is a grad student in the University of Michigan School of Public Health. This podcast is a joint activity of IFPRI's Nourishing Millions Project and the Department of Nutritional Sciences at the University of Michigan School of Public Health. You can subscribe to this podcast and learn a lot more about IFPRI by going to the IFPRI website, www.ifpri.org, or the Nourishing Millions website, nourishingmillions.ifpri.info. Today's show was produced by Holly Kaczynski, Nasheen Hayat, Andrew Jones, Zach Rosen, and me, Sivan Youssef. Zach Rosen edited our interview. Music from today's show comes from the Free Music Archive. Until next time, let's innovate, learn, and speed up progress on ending hunger and malnutrition.